Hello and welcome to Sleep Cove, the place to get a great night's sleep. Tonight I've read a couple of Chinese stories, which include myths about dragons. 2024, according to Chinese astrology, is the year of the dragon. Unlike Western culture, dragons are an important part of Chinese culture, symbolizing strength, power, wisdom, nobility, good fortune and success. Indeed, dragons don't actually exist, but during the times of imperial rule, dragons held symbolic significance of authority and power. In Chinese legend, it is thought that dragon kings had absolute control over weather and water, hence dragons were revered as the pioneering spirit associated with rainfall and land fertility. So people born in the year of the dragon are believed to possess revered qualities of the dragon, including intelligence, pride and ambition. But there are possibilities that one might carry flaws too, such as arrogance and impulsivity. So tonight, I've read two stories about dragons that I really think you'll enjoy. So please get comfortable and let's begin. The Dragon Princess In the sea of Dungting there is a hill and in that hill there is a hole and this hole is so deep that it has no bottom. Once a fisherman was passing there who slipped and fell into the hole. He came to a country full of winding ways which led over hill and dale for several miles. Finally, he reached a dragon castle lying in a great plain. There grew a green slime which reached to his knees. He went to the gate of the castle It was guarded by a dragon who spouted water which dispersed in a fine mist. Within the gate lay a small, hornless dragon who raised his head, showed his claws and would not let him in. The fisherman spent several days in the cave, satisfying his hunger with the green slime. He found it edible and it tasted like rice mush. At last, he found a way out again. He told the district mandarin what had happened to him, and the latter reported the matter to the emperor. The emperor sent for a wise man and questioned him concerning it. The wise man said, There are four paths in this cave, One path leads to the southwest shore of the Sea of Dungting. The second path leads to a valley in the land of the Four Rivers. The third path ends in a cave of the mountain of Lofu, and the fourth in an island of the eastern sea. In this cave, 
dwells the seventh daughter of the dragon king of the eastern sea, who guards his pearls and his treasure. It happened once in the ancient days that a fisher boy dived into the water and brought up a pearl from beneath the chin of the black dragon. The dragon was asleep, which was the reason the fisher boy brought the pearl to the surface without being harmed. The treasure which the daughter of the dragon king has in charge is made up of thousands and millions of such jewels. Several thousands of small dragons watch over them in her service. Dragons have the peculiarity of fighting shy of wax, but they are fond of beautiful jade stones, and of Kung Tsiang, the hoddy green wood, and like to eat swallows. If one were to send a messenger with a letter, it would be possible to obtain precious pearls. The emperor was greatly pleased, and announced a large reward for the man who was competent to go to the dragon castle as his messenger. The first man to come forward was So Pi Lo, but the wise man said, A great, great, great grandfather of yours once slew more than a hundred of the dragons of the eastern sea, and was finally himself slain by the dragons. The dragons are the enemies of your family, and you cannot go. Then came a man from Canton, Lo Tsai Chung, with his two brothers, who said that his ancestors had been related to the dragon king. Hence, they were well liked by the dragons, and well known to them. They begged to be entrusted with a message. The wise man asked, Have you still in your possession the stone which compels the dragons to do your will? Yes, said they, we have brought it along with us. The wise man had them show him the stone. Then he spoke, This stone is only obeyed by the dragons who make clouds and send down the rain. It will not do for the dragons who guard the pearls of the sea king. Then he questioned them further, Have you the dragon brain vapor? When they admitted that they had not, the wise man said, How then will you compel the dragons to yield their treasure? And the emperor said, What shall we do? The wise man replied, On the western ocean sail foreign merchants who deal in dragon brain vapor. Someone must go to them and seek it from them. I also know a holy man who is an adept in the art of taming dragons, 
and who has prepared ten pounds of the dragon stone. Someone should be sent for that as well. The emperor sent out his messengers. They met one of the holy man's disciples and obtained two fragments of the dragon stone from him. Said the wise man, this is what we want. Several more months went by, and at last a pill of dragon brain vapour had been secured. The emperor felt much pleased, and had his jewellers carve two little boxes of the finest jade. These were polished with the ashes of the Wontung tree, and he had an essence prepared of the very best holy green wood, pasted with sea fish lime, and hardened in the fire. Of these two vases were made, then the bodies and the clothing of the messengers were rubbed with tree wax, and they were given five hundred roasted swallows to take along with them. They went into the cave, When they reached the dragon castle, the little dragon who guarded the gate smelled the tree wax, so he crouched down and did them no harm. They gave him a hundred roasted swallows as a bribe to announce them to the daughter of the dragon king. They were admitted to her presence and offered her the jade caskets the vases, and the four hundred roasted swallows as gifts. The dragon's daughter received them graciously, and they unfolded the emperor's letter. In the castle, there was a dragon who was over a thousand years old. He could turn himself into a human being, and could interpret the language of human beings. Through him, the dragon's daughter learned that the emperor was sending her the gifts, and she returned them with a gift of three great pearls, seven smaller pearls, and a whole bushel of ordinary pearls. The messengers took leave, rode off with their pearls on a dragon's back, and in a moment, they had reached the banks of the Yangtze Kiang. They made their way to Nanking, the imperial capital, and there handed over their treasure of gems. The emperor was much pleased, and showed them to the wise man. He said, Of the three great pearls, one is a divine wishing pearl of the third class, and two are black dragon pearls, of medium quantity. Of the seven smaller pearls, two are serpent pearls, and five are muscle pearls. The remaining pearls are in part sea crane pearls, in part snail and oyster pearls. They do not approach the great pearls in value, and yet few will be found to equal them on earth. The emperor also showed them to all his servants. 
They, however, thought the wise man's words all talk, and did not believe what he said. And the wise man said, The radiance of wishing pearls of the first class is visible for forty miles, that of the second class for twenty miles, and that of the third for ten miles. As far as their radiance carries, neither wind nor rain, thunder nor lightning, water, fire, nor weapons may reach. The pearls of the black dragon are nine-coloured and glow by night. Within the circle of their light, the poison of serpents and worms is powerless. The serpent pearls are seven-coloured, the muscle pearls are five-coloured, both shine by light. Those most free from spots are the best, they grow within the muscle and increase and decrease in size as the moon waxes and wanes. Someone asked how the serpent and the sea crane pearls could be told apart, and the wise man answered, the animals themselves recognize them. Then the emperor selected a serpent pearl and a sea crane pearl, put them together with a whole bushel of ordinary pearls and poured the lot out in the courtyard. Then a large yellow serpent and a black crane were fetched and placed among the pearls. At once the crane took up a sea crane pearl in his bill and began to dance and sing and flutter around. But the serpent snatched at the serpent pearl and wound himself about it in many coils. And when the people saw this, they acknowledged the truth of the wise man's words. As regards the radiance of the larger and smaller pearls, it turned out too, just as the wise man had said. In the dragon castle, the messengers enjoyed dainty fare, which tasted like flowers, herbs, ointment and sugar. They had brought a remnant of it with them to the capital, yet exposed to the air it had become as hard as stone. The emperor commanded that these fragments be preserved in the treasury, then he bestowed high rank and title on the three brothers, and made each one of them a present of a thousand rolls of fine silk stuff. He also had investigated why it was that the fisherman, when he chanced upon the cave, had not been destroyed by the dragons, and it turned out that his fishing clothes had been soaked in oil and tree wax. The dragons had dreaded the odour. The Dragon After His Winter Sleep Once there was a scholar 
who was reading in the upper story of his house. It was a rainy, cloudy day, and the weather was gloomy. Suddenly he saw a little thing which shone like a firefly. It crawled upon the table, and wherever it went it left traces of burns curved like the track of a rainworm. Gradually it wound itself about the scholar's book, and the book too grew black. Then it occurred to him that it might be a dragon, so he carried it out of the doors on the book. There he stood for quite some time, but it sat and curled without moving in the least. Then the scholar said, It shall not be said of me that I was lacking in respect. With these words he carried the book and once more laid it on the table. Then he put on his robes of ceremony, made a deep bow and escorted the dragon out on it again. No sooner had he left the door then he noticed that the dragon raised his head and stretched himself. Then he flew up from the book with a hissing sound, like a radiant streak. Once more he turned around toward the scholar, and his head had already grown to the size of a barrel. While his body must have been a full fathom in length, He gave one more sneaky twist, and then there was a terrible crash of thunder, and the dragon was sent sailing through the air. The scholar then returned, and looked to see which way the little creature had come, and then he could follow his tracks hither and thither to his chest of books.